1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yo, it's the
2: Coppite
1: Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Copac Podcast. I'm joined
3: here
2: today by Mick, Jay and Wahomi from Yanks of Cop. And today we're going into the Twitterverse once again. So uh, we'll get right into it. First one, Diego those. first five starts for Portugal have included six goals and two assists. Off to an absolutely fine start for Portugal. Obviously, the goal-scoring form we've all wanted to see, you know, over the over the break. Nice to see him getting back amongst the goals so consistently and showing his talent off on an international stage. Mick, what do you reckon his importance is going to is be coming back into this into this last little stretch of the season now?
0: Huge, and it's it's nice that he's getting these goals and assists for Portugal so it's playing them nicely into form for us because obviously we've got Arsenal coming up, we've got Real Madrid coming up, we've got some big games coming up. So the more he scores, the more he plays, the better, really, for us. And I'm surprised how good he is in the air. Like a load of his goals have been headers, haven't he? And it's just like, fucking hell, he is actually like a beast, and it's just made up to have him and if he keeps up that type of form then it's all better for us and then coming to a key time of the season where we need him to be getting those goals is it's i can't wait for the um the game it feels like it feels like ages since we've played the game of footy that's why and these pods don't seem as a uh, frequent but uh yeah we'll be getting back into it soon so i'm hoping hot is going to be a or Jotha or whatever his fucking name is is going to be a big <laughs> a big uh, a big part of that
2: all right well homie is he the key to uh to a top four run to finish the season
1: yeah, I think, like, um, we missed him badly, obviously, at the the season when he was injured. You know, and I think if, if Joel was fit, we'd still be in the title race. Um, that's how highly I rate him. Um, so I think him coming back and just, you know, carrying Portugal, realistically, um, shows how good he is. You know, I think... He's, what I like about Joe is he's different. He makes he, he, make, he makes runs that the other strikers don't make run tight runs. Like, he's always going to go to near post... He'll peel off his mark and try and get headers. You might not see money Salah, or Flaminho kind of making the same run. So he gives us something different. So I feel like going into say the the Arsenal the Madrid game, he's gonna offer something completely different that Madrid aren't expecting from us. Um and I feel that I've seen a lot of Madrid fans actually say they're not that bothered about Jota. So I think he's gonna if he plays, it's gonna be a big surprise for them. Like they're gonna be focused so much on Salah or money and they'll forget Jota. And as you've seen, as Mick said, he can score headers. Score his right, his left foot. He can create. You know, so I think like keeping Jota firing fit is crucial, hundred percent, to our top four and also us going far in the Champions League. Um, and with Jota, we've got a chance.
2: All right. Well, he was kind of a bit of a out of nowhere signing this past summer, but it almost, it almost seems like Liverpool can't play without him, can't score without him at the moment. So, uh, Jay, do you just want to sum up what he's done for this squad so far this season?
3: Give him a kick up the ass, and that's what we've wanted. So, um, yeah, I say that because obviously he's he's put pressure on the front three to start. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's you know we knew he was going to be that rotation striker, but we didn't realise how how good he would actually be. Did, did we really? You know, it's we all knew what a good player he was for Wolves, but we, you know, it's to bit of uh, Liverpool. So, it's it's really pleasing to see the, the progress he's made, and yeah, long may continue.
2: All right. Well, we're going to stick with the striker situation, and obviously, it is an international break, so there will be rumours of returns of certain players. And this man has—oops, uh, sorry. This man has uh, has not been uh, one of the guys that's been missed out in those rumours. Luis Suarez, obviously, the uh, the rumours are heating up, and um, as as this this man just responded, Fabinho Ball, we have Firmino and Origi as options at striker. Who would, who would say no to one year of Luis Suarez, geg pressing, and finishing our chances for once? Well, homie, what do you reckon? Suarez back in the red shirt.
1: I don't see it. I don't, he's not an FSG sign-in. As good as he's done at Athletic Madrid, and yeah, fair play he's done really well there in terms of you know Barcelona was stupid for letting him go because you know he he's fine at Athletic Madrid to like the Liga title. But he's not an FSG signing. 34 the salary he's gonna be on. As much as I think Suarez was was an amazing player for us, he's the past. And we need to start you know looking beyond the Suarez is a continuous of like bringing back that romance and thinking they're going to come back to us. Liverpool need a striker that's younger. We're going to bring a forward, someone that's forward, and actually start reducing at the average age of our squad because we've got an aging squad right now. So to bring a Suarez, it doesn't make sense on high wages. you probably want like a three, four year contract. So I don't see anything. I don't see anything. There's rumours. I just think it's. I think we'll get a lot after leading to the Madrid game. We get a lot of stories from Spain. About our players or about our, our transfers. And it's all just to distract us, you know, because whether it's Suarez, whether it's um, Coutinho, whether it's Madrid wanting Mane or Salah, or today is us wanting to Master Marcel reporting that we we're after to It's all just to try and like destabilise the club and cause distraction. So I, I don't buy anything in the Suarez transfer.
3: Just before, sorry to, to cut you off there, Tim, um, breaking news right now. Um, it's just been announced that Paul Gorst has just tweeted now that LFC's owners FSG have tonight announced a 538 million pound investment deal with Redbird Capital. The deal has actually been completed. The American group said the deal will enhance our ability to pursue future growth opportunities in a more accelerated way. So that is breaking news right now as we've gone live to that. Is that FSG. That it's a de- it's a deal that we've all known that's been going through. So Tim. Let's go to you for your reaction
2: on that one. Wow! Well, it certainly opens up a door to all the all these young striker rumours that have been floating around for for a year and a bit now. The Mbappe, the Highlands stuff. Um, I don't know if that will all go towards transfers. Obviously, that I'm, I'm sure there'll be splits. I'm sure that some of it will go to towards expanding Anfield and so on and so forth, but. If the majority of that goes to transfers, I'm expecting to see a bit of an overhaul and a bit of, as as we mentioned, a bit of a youth movement into the, into the squad. I think that um, it's if we were going to do it, I think now's the season. I think coming off of uh, the, the season we've had, and obviously it's it's not finished. I think we're all excited for what the potential of of the Champions League has has uh, has to offer yet. But at the same time, we would all like to see a bit of a, a younger average age in this squad, I reckon, and and something that's going to yeah. push us towards being more consistent over the next, you know, five to eight years rather than just over the next two to three.
3: Well, I will just read a couple of the the points from the article that Gosty's just put up. Um, Redbird's capital acquire more than more than 10% of Liverpool owners' company. The agreement will see Redbird invest $750 million or £538 million into FSG to enable them to continue operating at the cutting edge of Premier League football at a time when finance across the globe, uh, coronavirus, pandemic, blah, blah, blah. Now, it's based on an, uh, an evaluation which also sees, um, obviously, LeBron James and his associates coming on as well. We all know that's been going on for a long time anyway. Now, obviously... It's just to go, the money is going to be invested throughout FSG. So this isn't just £538 million that's being invested into Liverpool football clubs. We need to stress that, that it's not £500 million going into Liverpool's back pocket. It's going to the whole of FSG. But Mick, obviously, it's it's a positive, isn't it? Because if FSG are getting more money from somewhere else, the domino effect should land with Liverpool, shouldn't it? But I don't think that's immediately going to get us an Mbappe or a Highland, is it?
0: No, and especially after I read something earlier this week about financial fair play that being lessened, I don't know if that's this year or next year, but it, it's starting to phase out potentially. So that I, I don't know if that kind of goes hand in hand, hand in hand with that that we might see a bit more money being spent by us and not and not just buying to sell, but just going out there and just making a statement by by making big signings. That might that might be the case. We just we just don't know at this at this moment, but it's definitely an option if you if like you said the likes of lebron james and all these other people who are coming in and maybe getting involved with stuff like that that can have a albeit maybe not a massive influence but still influences people's decisions and decision making behind closed doors and meetings so yeah it's a you've, you've got to look at it as a positive up until it's not and that, that's the way I, I, we've we've got to look at it because F, fsg have had a lot of uh questions thrown at them and We've, um, we, we've we have shut them up with a, winning a few trophies in the last couple of years and there's I think there'll always be a load of FSGL people, but until a time when it starts going really drastically wrong, it may be after this season if we start if that, that does happen, and fucking hopefully not, then then the questions will be um warranted. But at the moment that it looks like they're doing things in the in the right way for me anyway.
3: Yeah, definitely, mate. Well mate, in terms of like the project itself. You know, mixture just said the uh, the likes of LeBron James being attached to FSG now and and this Redbird uh, Capital. Um, I'd rather be a part of this project than than not not a part of it. You know, whether Liverpool are getting that, you know, uh, we don't know how much of that five hundred thirty eight million they may get. Um, but it's it's nice to be part of this project and it's an exciting time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I read up a bit about that Jerry Cardinal, who's the owner of um, F, uh, Red Bull capital, Redbird Capital. And he was talking about how, like, I think in, in America he's monopolised the TV rights and how he wants to kind of replicate that at Liverpool. Like, get to the point where yeah. you know, like, he helps Liverpool dominate the TV rights in terms of, like, getting a larger portion of, like, um, TV revenue in terms of Champions League. And I think he's, he's over a vision as well. He wants to do a Super super League um, and kind of, kind of create that Super League, but obviously not the detriment of um, smaller clubs. Um, so I think his vision is that, and also he does a lot of analytics. So it, I think it comes in link with that Cumbers Cord, I think we recently signed up to the new analytics um, program recently. Um, I saw recently at the Echo advertised. Um, so I think in the long run, it's not going to give us in- injection money in the club in that sake it's, it's 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 in red. It's in FSG. It's not in Liverpool. So it's not like like red red because even like red Sox, they're not going to see an injection of money from this babe, this thing, so so I think people should realise that it's like it's not like they've not if they were if they were if it's Liverpool they were invested in Liverpool and bought been, been like a bought a bigger share of Liverpool, so um, I think that way but I think what it will do is the fact that you know they they want to create like the Red Bull model because they I think uh, Red Bird Capital own Toulouse. So they want to create like that thing where you know you have um like Red Bull have it with Salzburg and Leipzig. So we want to create that with us. So I think that'd be really good. If we had that something with police where we could send our youngsters to their to them and then get them football time in, in France, and then if that doesn't work out, we can sell them for big profits. Because obviously that you know that's a you know a strategy that's really worked for Salzburg and and Leipzig where they're gonna yeah. sell players for big money. So if we can bring that in, I think that's the way forward. You know, that's what Man City have done. They, they own so many different, or well, the owners of Man City own so many different football enterprises or sports. So they're able to do that. So I think that's going to benefit us. So I think we might not see the immediate effects now, but in the long term, we will. But obviously, yeah. for some people, that's not going to appease them because obviously, they're going to want to see an Mbappe on Haaland kind of transfer this in this summer. And, so that's, and gonna that's, going to be, yeah, that's going to be the thing where whether where, where we do get it or not. I, yeah. I don't see it, but you know, that's to That's that, like Nick said, you're going to, always going to FSG because FSG out because they feel that our owners aren't like a, like a Brandvich or, you know, or Sheik Mansour where they're spending like a hundred million. So that's that. I think that you're always going to get that. But like, I agree with you, it, you know, Jay, I think it's exciting to be part of the project. So let's see what where, where, where it brings to the club. Absolutely, mate. Yep. Right.
3: Tim,
1: that was the breaking news out of the way, mate. Crack on with the, the Twitterverse.
2: Absolutely no problem. Actually, we're going to stick with some uh, some financial stuff, but it is more to do with the kits. So this is supposedly the two league kits, the home and away for next season. Um, now, obviously, we have been, they would have been passed around several group chats at this point. It's, it's not new news, but um, Mick, I'll come to you, mate. Initial thoughts on those kits. What do you think?
0: I like them, to be honest. And I think it was the the yellow one in that picture as well. But there's a yellow one floating around as well, isn't he? Which is, I mean, I agree with Jay that the white one should be more ecru than than white. Because I think that would look so much more better. So much more, fucking hell. I speak good England, don't I? Much more better. It would look a lot better if it was um,
2: ecru. Ecru, 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 ecru.
0: I can't speak today, boys. Um, yeah, but no, I think the design's decent. Um, I mean, we always see these floating around, don't we, on Twitter and social media, like fan mocked up ones that usually look a lot better than what we actually get. But if they're going to be the ones that that you've just shown in the picture, then I'd, I'd be happy with that. And I think what, whatever you see, Van Dijk and the kit, you're like, yeah, that's a nice kit. And I think, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it doesn't, I mean, kits make, the memories that you're making, making the kit is is what it's all about. If we go on to... Win the title again next year in that kit, then it'll always be synonymous with us being boss. So um, yeah, ni- nice kit, albeit. But I, in regards to the white one, I've seen a lot of people saying that the it's the the stripes on it are a bit too similar to Man United, and I was like, well, does that's quite Liverpool as well? Though in in our past, our away kits, we've had that quite a lot over the years. I mean, Jay, i will probably tell you the exact years because I I can't remember, but there's quite a few where where we've got that. 2011. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, for one but uh yeah no i think i think they're, if they're the ones then I, i'm more than happy with them
2: because i think they're nice yeah all I right well i, I mean the, the man united thing was actually something i was going to bring up and, and actually ask jay about because he is the kit man himself um <laughs> but yeah i i sent i sent these over to my dad and asked him for his uh his opinion and he uh he much preferred the yellow and red over the over the white red and black um jersey just because as as he put it red black and white tends to be more man united than it does Liverpool, and especially in recent memory but jay thoughts on the kits
3: yeah i mean the, the with the red one if you bring the uh bring them back up against him um what i would say about that red one is i'm not too keen on the sort of the brighter red of it if it if it's true if that was white i would oh that would be up there in, the, in, the, in one of the top 10 kits ever because of the white, if it had white on it. But because it's a two-tone red, I'm not a massive fan. Um, but like Mick said, it's the memories that you make. I didn't really like the 2019 home shirt. Um, wasn't really a big fan of it, but we won the Champions League in it. So again, it's it's going to hold a lot of memories for us now. Um, and I think with the away one, the people are kicking off about the red and the black. If you want to look back at the Premier League, 2004 was away kit had red and black and white on it as well. Uh, 2011, like I said, red, black and white was on there as well, so it isn't just uh, a new thing for people, it it has actually been there in quite a bit. Um, Chris Kelly, spot on, I'd wear a bin bag with a lion bird on it, absolutely spot on. You, you would, wouldn't you? Because, you know, people kicked off this time last year about the Nike uh, shirt, didn't they? Um, but it was one of the biggest selling ones ever, so there's this argument which will, uh, you know what I'm like boys, I could go to town on this thing about the grown men wearing kit things and Chris Kelly's a I've had a conversation with Chris about it. People who get really think about the kit are the same people that don't buy it. So if you're not going to buy it, then just shut up. Do you know what I mean? If it, that's that's my whole point about it. I will buy it, no doubt. I'll probably buy both of them. But I love what, um, the, what Brian Connolly said in the comments and what Yuki said as well uh, in California, that the yellow one. I think the yellow one, if it's true, is absolutely spot on. I think going with the yellow, with the red, it perhaps back to the 70s and 80s. And I say this all the time Dawn in the group chat, every season we need at least one kit that's either white or yellow so it doesn't clash. Fuck around with the third one as much as you want. Blue, turquoise, orange, do what the fuck you want with it. But at least keep one of them white or yellow or a crew. But I'm never going to get a fucking a crew shirt, have I? Never. But, yeah, mate, um, if that yellow one's, yeah, that yellow one's spot on, if it's true.
2: Yeah. Mahomi, anything to add?
3: Oh no. really. I think I think, no, I, think
1: <laughs> I think I'll say this like, obviously, you know, it's Nike night shirts, Nike shirts, and never, never always are always the best. So, you know, you know, they're not like Adidas where you get like really good load like, designs and stuff. So, um, I think people need to understand, you know, Nike can't give me like new balance in terms of the, the kit designs. So, you know, they're good enough. Um, and, you know, like, there's more things to worry about about the kit than the kit very good point true all right so we are going to go to
2: another tweet about another aging striker and the reason is because i have read on twitter this week that Jurgen klopp was looking for a for um an experienced striker to fill a gap on the on the bench to come in and change games and another one has become free he's i think he's pretty good this guy he's he's all right you know (laughs) so uh yeah Obviously, wish wish he had come to Liverpool in the first place rather than playing for for Man City, established in two thousand eight. But um, yeah, now, now that obviously it's Jurgen Klopp has, has made it clear. I mean, as as fans, we've we've all spoken about the fact that we would like more of a a youth input into this team. You know, we've we've all said that we're a little bit worried about the fact that the front three are kind of leaning into their thirties now. Not that that's a bad thing in actual life, but in football, it is unfortunately. Um, well, homie. Suarez or Aguero? Who would you rather see in a red kit? Suarez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they,
1: two words out of mouth. the reason why I'd say Suarez is because he's fitter. Aguero's is too injured too much. You know, there's, there's a reason why Man City didn't renew his contract. That's why his contract ran down. They, they didn't even get terms on it. So, I personally, again, as well, I wouldn't... I think, obviously, Aguero is one of the best strikers ever played in the Premiership, and I was gutted under Benitez, we didn't, that Hickson Gillett didn't back Benitez to buy Aguero back then because he would have been amazing when, you know, we should have got him when the let Madrid because he was amazing then as well. So, um, so I think like now would I want him at Liverpool? No, because I think he's injured too many times and plus his wage is going to be ridiculous, you know, and for someone who's going to be play that little games and on that high wages, it'd just be like having Matip or a Ketar one of those players, you know, do some high wages. So, I think, I want a big striker, but I want someone that's younger, That's that shows long-term planning, rather than someone who's, you know, as good as Aguero is. How much foot did he pay last year? So, you know, can we really afford a guy that's going to be in like 240K or something like that on our bench? He's paying as much as he did for City. So, I think it's a, it's a romantic thing. I think Aguero is better going back to Argentina um, or, you know, if you can go back to Real Madrid and, you know, one of those, one of those teams who retire there. Um, but all that's for Liverpool, um, I, I'd give it a miss. All right. Well, I've got an
2: interesting question for, for you, actually, Jay. Is this, you know, we've seen, obviously, I, we're, we're fully expecting Man City to go into the market this summer and, and replace Aguero with another top top-range striker. But at the same time, that obviously isn't, you know, a, a guarantee that that leaves City without outside of Jesus really a, a world class striker. And Jesus dives in and out of form. You know, from from game to game, he's he's missing one game and he'll he'll pop up with a couple of goals the next. So, is are we moving? I mean, we've we've seen it from Liverpool with with Firmino. Are we moving towards teams now moving away from top class centre strike, centre forwards, and, and goal getters that in into um. Kind of wingers being the the main goal scorers in football these days.
3: Yeah, it, I mean, it's six one half a dozen the other mate? I think there's been a lot of it, and the the shift has been. I mean, I never thought we'd the the football would ever move away from four four two. It was always your two top strikers, and now it's like everybody plays four three three, and that's that's the the thing. Went the way this generation has moved on because you, you've not got a gen, you've got a generation now that plays football. When they pick up a, a, a control pad, when they, when they play through because they want to be the heroes and that's how it works. And you, you get a lot of more skillful players now and, I, and it has benefited the game. You see, you know, look at the likes of Trent. He's such a skillful right back and the way he's learned and developed his game is the way it's changed from a generation to a generation. So I do think that the game's moving forward and it is great. It's exciting to have those front three lads that are very, very exciting. I, there has been over the years the less and less of the out and out striker that that has been happening a lot less um, and you are getting the likes of, of Haaland. who is he now can play across the front three um, Sancho had played a lot up front directly now he's playing on the wing and he's, he's been dominating from there um, Salah at one point for Fiorentina was one of their main strikers and obviously he, he's now very versatile so it all depends doesn't it three up front is definitely the way to go um, but I, I do miss the old days of an Owen or a Fowler or a Torres just just someone to put the ball in the back of the net, just clean. and know Aguero is that. Aguero's like you, you stick him in in the in the in the penalty box, and good things happen. Van Nistelrooy was the exact same. It's very rare Van Nistelrooy scored a goal outside the area. You know, it's that type of poacher, and that's one of the things that I would love to see Liverpool get um, because we all love for me to do that. But like you said, Tim, the wingers are smashing it in anyway. But um, yeah, it's if Suarez wanted to come back for for and lower his wage, bring it on. Bring it
1: on. Like, and well, then, do you know
3: what? That's, that's only made fucking worse, thanks to him up there, because all the fucking Suarez goals he's been posting this week. <laughs> <laughs> he's wet, wet me whistle. That,
2: that, that is very true, but then again, who doesn't love watching some of those goals? They are completely... Exactly. Out, they are unbelievable, some of the things he was doing uh, at the club. Mick, we are going to give you a miss with this one, but we'll come to you first here. So, James Pierce reporting that Firmino is back at training at Kirkby and in potential for Arsenal away on Saturday. So the dilemma that we've all been talking about for for a while here. Who are you starting uh up, up up top for? Is there a change of formation this weekend? Um, I think
0: I'd keep Bobby on the bench, to be honest. i think I'd stick with, with Hothard again, especially after we've just been talking about his um his good form for Portugal. So it'd be silly to take him out of that. I mean you could play you could play all four, but I don't know if I don't know if Clock will. It just depends on uh, what he's feeling. But I think this this Arsenal game is quite big because I feel like if we if we do lose this one, then we do then put all our eggs in one basket and go go all out on the Champions League if if we're not already. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult one because he's he's he, is, he has been key, but. For huge parts, at his time at the club, and he's gone through a bit of a dip in form at the moment, which is to be expected when he when he's playing that that often. Um, so I am hoping that maybe this break's done him done him good in a way. That a good, a good thing that he got injured because he's had a bit of a time away. He can come back, recuperate, and maybe be a bit a bit fresher if that makes any sense at all. But um, I don't I don't think he starts this one. I think he's on the bench and maybe comes off comes off towards the end and um, hopefully bags one. That'll be nice.
2: <laughs> all right, Jay. What, what, um, what effect do you, do you, do you think the Real Madrid game next week has has on the on team selection uh, for this Arsenal game on the weekend?
3: Yeah, quite a lot. mate. I was thinking about that yesterday. I was thinking, what do we do because you, you can't put all your eggs in in the one basket, can you? I mean, you can after Saturday if um, if it goes fucking pear shaped over the weekend with results and stuff, but. It definitely will have a bearing on it, mate, because obviously I know the game's been brought forward now, which is which is good, and gives us that extra little bit of rest. But you know, it's like mate said, everyone's sort of slowly starting to come back fit again now. When we're sort of like we've got us, we've got definitely got the stronger team uh, out, out of the two the two sides. But again, you, I think you're just going to have to go straight. I think this might be a session where you play your best eleven. You play your, the. the the eleven you want to start against Madrid for sixty minutes, and if it goes well, then that's when you start making changes, um, or you do it the other way around. Do you know what I mean? So, it, I'm glad I've not got the headache. I'm glad I'm not not the manager to make these decisions when there's millions of Liverpool supporters judging me um, when I uh, when I make changes. So it'll be interesting, mate. But it's a massive week for the club. This time next week, we could be on cloud nine or ready to fucking jump off a bridge. Hopefully, it's the former all right all
2: right well Wahome, what do you reckon is is it likely to be firmino hot on the bench or do you see is, is there is there a world where either mane or salah actually starts on the bench and we see a firmino and hotter in the starting lineup
1: i think i think what it is one of them i think clock's gonna go strong because i think he's not going to throw all his eggs in one basket um i think the only changes we'll see in midfield i think you might see a jones or a nabby starting and then resting Thiago and uh, Gini for Madrid. Um, I think for Madrid, it's a tough one because, you know, some people have said that, you know, because you know, Madrid played a ball at the back, that you need someone who presses. And I think while Joe's a good presser, he's not in sync in terms of pressing as a Firmino does. But then just scores goals and Firmino doesn't really score goals. So it's kind of like, where do you go? I would... For me, personally, go with Jota. Um, I'll play Jota both games because I would rather us get the win against Arsenal than take Jota off. And bring for me and you off to see out the game. Um, and obviously, he has to start. You know, cause I think we need to score in Spain. We have to get an away goal um, in Spain. You know, so you know, no matter what happens there, we have to. That's for me. We have the main thing. We have to get an away goal. Um, and I think. So Atlanta gate Atlanta away is a great game for us to kind of replicate, where we just destroy, you know, we blitz them in the counter attack. Um, and I think Madrid aren't a team that play low block, but they can't play low block, so they're a very attacking team. Um, and I think also they're going to have um, Vasquez and Mendy on the flanks as wing backs, because I think I think something they played like a, they played like three at the back. So I think like. Either way, um, Bobby should not... I wouldn't start Bobby in either games. but have him come off the bench both because, you know, he's only coming back from injury and there's no point in, like, dampening Jota's hot form. So I would go strong for both games because I think we have to at least go for this Arsenal game because in the West Ham game, although Arsenal did a great comeback, West Ham should have been out of sight. You know, in before Arsenal scored their, their, their third goal, um, West Ham missed a great chance where they should have gone like um four four two up so Arsenal defense is there to be got at you know so I would go strong okay well i it's
2: certainly an interesting one because for me as much as obviously the front three have had their issues uh, getting goals uh, I think that you know the game against Madrid is going to be one in the midfield I think that that's that's where all of their real quality lies in the center of the in, in the center of the park. Um, so for me, as, as as long as we can field our strongest three midfielders, I I think we'll be able to cope with the uh, with what Madrid will have to offer. And obviously, I I think our wing backs are, will be more than enough to deal with what they. And I'm I actually Kaka and Phillips based on current form, and Kaka's been brilliant for Turkey recently. Um, so yeah, I th- I think that you you start as strong as possible, and then after about sixty minutes, depending on what the score is against Arsenal, you, you make some changes or. Whatever the score is, you make some changes because I think at this point, you know, if your top four is kind of a bit of a stretch. We'd have we'd have to have a lot of things go our way. Whereas I think the Champions League is is still winnable from the position where we're currently in. And, and the last thing you want is to have pressure back on you uh, coming back to Anfield or wherever the game is going to be played um, against a Madrid team that is that is experienced and, uh, and and will be wanting to prove the fact that they'll be able to win a Champions League without um, a certain Cristiano Ronaldo playing for them. All right, so, anyway, moving on. Last tweet, last tweet here, fellas. It's an age-old argument, and obviously a certain someone pitched in. If I'm a manager, I'm taking Frank because he's going to get me 20 goals a year. Neither of us two will get get me 20 a year. Fellas, Gerrard, skulls, and Lampard, I'm sure it's an argument that's going to rage on
3: for the rest of time. Jay, thoughts? know uh, that. I feel like I'm 16 again, and I'm in just finishing school. and having the same argument again. Um, yeah. I, I, I wish this debate would just fuck off. I really, <laughs> really do. All three of them were fucking brilliant. All three of them had their, their own attributes, which made them great players. Um, so I, I'm, I, I, I might plead the fifth on this one, fellas, because I'm not I'm not arguing the debate. Um, Rio should know better. I mean, if I was skulls, I'd be ringing Rio, Rio, up and go, Are "You f- fucking joking me." You were more with me than you did Frank at West Ham. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't really can't be asked answering this question. I'll be honest because for me, I'm always <laughs> going to pick Jared. Of course, I am. <laughs> if he's got on about twenty goals a season, why does he look at Steven Jared from two thousand and four to two thousand and what nine ten? I'm yeah. sure he got twenty goals a season every year then when he was playing in, a, in an advanced position. So, depends we're going to play them. But again, could just appreciate all three. Why? Why couldn't STEM play four three three? There we go. That one is the fucking World Cup in two thousand and two. I said, no, Jerry was injured for that World Cup, so let's say 2006. There we go. Sorry. Right.
2: Well, yeah, in-
3: <laughs> anything to add to that?
1: I do agree. Like I think this is a, like what Jay said, I think it's a pointless argument. I think, of course, you have to remember, like they're playing different teams. Like, you know, Lampard played around better players. Not, not not taking anything away from him. He was outstanding at Chelsea. No. Um, I think he was the first... Really, a proper attacking midfielder that was banging twenty goals yeah. a year, on the, you know, yeah. on, the, on the regular. So he he said that he said it off for like players around Europe. But Scholes, he was phenomenal, you know, at Madrid, Man United. You know, you know, when you're getting played like Sudan saying that he's one of the best players I've ever played against Paul Skulls You know, you got to stand up and take notes of that. And obviously, you've got you know, Sudan saying as well the same thing about Gerald the best one of the best players he's played. So I think they're all great players in their own right. And you know, you know, each each club is going to be biased towards their own player over, over overall you know so it's just one of the things we just have to admire them rather than do this debate who's better you know because you know um you'd be here all night arguing over you know who's a better player yeah true so the
2: real question mick is why didn't england win a world cup with history in the midfield
0: because england's shith uh, <laughs> uh,
2: just- <laughs>
0: Too many. Well, Guy Neville and I spoke about it, haven't he? Saying there was that, that team rivalry; they couldn't get over it in the England camp. They were, they were all like going off into se- separate. The Man United lads, Chelsea lads, Arsenal lads, Liverpool lads would all be separate, and it'd just be a subconscious thing because they didn't want to. They couldn't really. I think England now, you can see, it's more of a team than than that that golden generation. Where, unfortunately, because yeah. they, obviously that, that team would have won shitloads loads if they would have just put. Um, league differences aside, and just thought, fuck it, let's just play to our maximum. But then you're playing players out of position. I think skulls was left mid. You had Gerard yeah, Gerard left mid as well. Yeah, Lampard obviously bombing on forward. Gerard had always sit. Whereas it, when I was watching the games, I wanted Gerard to be on the end of those passes and, and threading the through and getting on the end of them. But it was Lampard doing it, and that's why he scored more goals. If you ask me who the better player is, it's Gerard overall. I think most people would agree that overall. All attributes. It's Gerrard, Lampard. I don't know. I, th- I think still think Gerrard's a better goal scorer, but Lampard, you can't you can't deny the stats. Like he had loads of boss players around him and skulls obviously dictated the tempo so well, and he was a fucking king at that. So um, yeah, yeah they well, all. didn't
3: um, Mick? Didn't Lampard finish? He was Chelsea's all-time top goal scorer, isn't he? I mean, that that's that fucking, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I know he it took is. a lot of penalties and stuff like that, but that's fucking that's a phenomenal achievement for a midfield player. That's that.
0: That you know, it, it is amazing, isn't it? But yeah, well, I think you just said it, Chris. Just said it there. Uh, Lampard got twenty plus because he was basically the second striker, no pressure to get back and defend. And you look at the teams. Obviously, we we grew up watching. Like with with Gerard and he was amazing. But the t- the players he had around them, fuck me, he was having to defend, take set pieces, fucking take the set piece and then get his head on the off on the corner. He's just tough, just stuff like that. Where he's just, like, he was doing everything, and it's. If you wanted someone if I want if it could pick one player in history to, to step up and, and make something count when I needed the two, it would be Stephen Gerrard of course. It would because it he, the pressure that he had on his shoulders for so long and just thrived on it. Um yeah, Dan, good point, mate. Yeah, if you put Gerard on the best team of the Champions League here, yeah, no skulls or lampard. Yeah, I think you could talk about you could do a whole couple of hours on this and analyse and scrutinise every little point, but for me it's Gerrard by far for for the for what he did in a, in a team that like 2005, we should have never fucking won that. But it was through Gerard that that we did that, and uh, same yeah. FA Cup as well. It, we wouldn't, shouldn't have even been possible. Shouldn't have even been thought about. But because we had him in the team, and he made everyone else and the levels rise, it was it was it was um, it was doable. So that that's why he wins for me. But yeah, England was shit, so that's why they then went on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the difference to me was always the fact that that Gerard could have any team competitive. Uh, it didn't matter what was around them. Liverpool were always, you know, one, one, a, t- a top four team, regardless of of who and who, what and where was was you know encompassing the Liverpool squad at the time and people were pointing out the fact he played with oh he played with Torres and Suarez and Xabi Alonso yeah well that's that's three players over the course of you know 7 years so it's it's not it's not like he uh, he consistently had world class around him whereas when you can look at the Chelsea and the Man United sides of the time and those are some of the greatest teams of the Premier League era not solely because of Frank uh, Lampard's goals but Obviously, they, they had their major roles to play. And let's not take anything away from them. They're both superb players. We both hated watching – we all hated watching them because, um, you know, they were a pain in the arse and they were, they were great at their job at the end of the day. So, um, yeah. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up at that. And uh, just before we go, I'm going to give a massive shout-out to Mr. Dale Collin. The uh, the goalkeeper for Gibraltar, oh, he's one of my best mates, and he uh, stopped a certain uh, Mister Highland from scoring on on Norway it's the Gibraltar. So, I just want to give a big shout out. Twelve saves, impressive, well played, mate. He oh, yeah, twelve saves, twelve Damn. saves. So, yeah, play, he's, uh, Good on he's him. a he's br- a brilliant keeper. So, just a big shout out to him, mate. Keep doing what you are doing, and uh, don't forget to like and subscribe to the copyright Podcast. Because it's free, and who doesn't like free stuff anyway? So there you <laughs> go.
3: <mate. laughs> I fucking love that, army. Thanks for joining us, tonight, mate. We appreciate right it. Thanks, my mates. Yeah. Thanks, right, my lads. Nice one. Impressive. See you later, boys. <laughs> Podcast Network.